welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing and also a little bit last week. We were off for the holidays, which was really nice, but we are so happy to be back. 2024 is shaping up to be an incredible year in the world of surfing. But before we get into that, Buck and I are going to break down the biggest stories of 2023 in a piece written by Paul Evans. We're also going to talk about the Stab Surfer of the Year 2023, supported by Skull Candy. This is a race that's going on right now in front of our eyes, and we're going to tell you about the current leaderboard and who looks like they're in a chance to win. We're also going to give you a sponsorship update in 2024. There's been a lot of changes in the world of sponsorship just in these first few days of 2024, and we're going to give you a breakdown of what's happening there. We're also going to talk about something that it just sort of exploded on the internet we can't avoid it zeke's rant about filming and youtube and all these things i'm sure you saw it on instagram we're gonna get to the bottom of it and we're gonna get zeke on this podcast to defend his side and last but not least buck is going to give us a 2024 horoscope where he's gonna break down what's gonna happen to certain signs in the surf world this year a little bit different than our regular programming but it's fun nonetheless and with that let's drop in Mikey, I would like to start with a vital question and really just a question about vitality. Should you surf when ill? I think it depends on the illness and the severity of the illness, but I lean toward yes if you're in a warm place and no if you're in a cold place. Hmm, okay, okay. I mean, this is a question I think is on a lot of people's minds right now. Everybody I've talked to, in the past week has been coughing. Um, I don't know if it's just here, but I think usually after the holidays, everybody has COVID now. And so this is probably, I'm going to, I have the sense that this is something that people are grappling with at the moment. And uh, I'm on team yes, and I live somewhere cold-ish. Well, do you think that actually has medical benefits or you just are somebody who refuses to listen to their body for the sake of surfing? You got to make your body listen to you. It's psychological. <laughs> You can't, if you let the sickness win, it's a bad message to send to the body. You I know think. what? You have to say, hey. You're right. Cause, and, and you're right on the cold side, too, because that's Wim Hof's whole thing, is you can control your autonomic immune system through your mind and through breathing in cold water. So, sorry, I'm, I'm flipping. I'm going, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't think of that either, but <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> a lot through this program. I had a nightmare yesterday, though. It was just stupid. And my goal was pretty much to get out the back. And I realized that when I got out the back, I didn't really want to do anything else. I was just like low energy and it was hard. It was like low tide and just kind of sizable and really windy. And I was like, if I can just get a surfboard out there, I'll be happy. And I was able to. I found a little gap. It was frustrating. I got one wave on the head right when I was getting close. And I don't think I've hated my life in the ocean as much as I did at that point in time. Luckily, there was nothing behind it, but... Like a normal day, it would have been annoying because you'd just been paddling for 10 minutes. But yesterday, with like just the pressure in the head uh, and stuff, I'd... which doesn't make me walk back my stance. I think if you're listening and you're sick, do the Wim Hof, get out there. But um, you're probably going to hate your life too and stay sick for longer and listen to me cough on the program. All right, Buck. So we are, we're back. We're in a new year, 2024. Um, very exciting times. But before we get into the podcast, do you have any resolutions for this year, surfing or otherwise? Oh, I keep on telling myself I want to get really good at going switch. Maybe this is the year that I do that because going right is so dumb for me right now. I just can't see. Mm. Um, so maybe that. Maybe by this time next year, I'll be – it's hard to put like a concrete definition on like, you know, I figured it out. I guess I want to be consistently making barrels, then I'll be oh. happy. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good goal. I think. Yeah, it's going switch is such a strange sensation. Like your whole body's working backwards. Falling is probably the hardest thing to do. Switch. Every time I fall switch, I feel like I'm gonna fucking break myself. Yeah, you forget how to fall. That's. I think that's the problem with getting barreled. You're like you don't have control over how you're gonna go down. It's really hectic. Yeah. So, gotta. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna try to figure that one out this year. Fuck it. Okay. What about you? Yeah. So I was gonna. I was going to try to do one that would probably make me, you know, a better person, a smarter person. I was going to try to read a book a month. I'm not, nah, I'm not a very come, good reader. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Instead, uh, I'm going to do something that seems more fun. And uh, actually, Holden right now is working on a piece about how he surfed 50 new waves in 2023. That was a goal for him. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm going to try to ride 50 surfboards in 2024. 
they're not going to be new surfboards. I don't have that many new surfboards, but I, I do not necessarily with me, but like around the world and, and I can use friends and stuff like that. I want to ride 50 different surfboards this year and just really expand my palette a little bit. Wow. I like that. Also obscure joke here, but I mean, with that challenge, he kind of went from holding, you know, his name kind of looks like Turkey. Yep. And all of a sudden I went to gravy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, got that one out of the way. Maybe we should get into the news. But that's a good goal, actually. Let's celebrate that a little bit more. Because I feel like shit like that gets you – it can be the difference maker when you're looking at bad waves. Mm. You know, you could be looking at something and be like – like I have a friend who tries to do little streaks or get like 300 days a year or something – and he's always the most motivated person because he's like, another day, like another step closer to that goal. Whereas if you're just like looking at it and being like, ah, so I like it. Get goals and get good at Switch too. Should we get in the news? Let's do it. Surf brands merge, a CEO ousted, and too many deaths in 2023. Mikey, if it was a year ago and I told you, that Felipe Toledo would win the world title, what would you say? Uh, I would say I'm glad that I put a bunch of money on him on betonline.ag last year and now this year again. Okay. What if last year I told you that the two CEOs of the two most prominent companies in surfing would be fired, uh, the biggest surf brands in the world would be bought by a new company that has an entirely different business model, and the organization that got surfing into the Olympics would be feuding with the Olympics over whether or not to nuke the reef at Chopu. Would you be surprised then? Yeah, that that was not on my bingo card. Well, that's what happened, my friend. That is just a quick overview of the last 12 months. Holy shit. It's chaos out there. It really is. Yeah, it was It was a really interesting year in surfing. Um, so Paul wrote this piece. Paul typically does like a predictions piece at the beginning of the year where he gets everything wrong. And then he does a recap piece at the end <laughs> where he gets some of it right. Uh, so yeah, Paul gave us a deep dive. It actually started off more as like a WSL overview. But then I was like, it's honestly kind of the least interesting things that happened this year were related to the WSL other than ELO, I suppose. Um, But the tour season, like the waves weren't great. It kind of went as you would have expected, barring maybe a little bait and switch at the end on the women's side. Uh, But yeah, there were so many other things that happened in 2023 that made it a really like just fascinating year in surfing. Obviously all the board riders, ABG stuff happened too. And also, um, yeah, as we said in the title, like, a lot, a lot, a lot of prominent deaths in surfing last year. Um, just to go over a quick list, we have Dane Kealoha, Makala Jones, Larry Haynes, Lion Heron, Ricky Gath, Mark Martinson, Zach Reinhardt, Febrian Sia, sorry if I didn't say that right, um, and a lot more. And of course, all those that were lost in the Maui fires as well. So yeah, it was actually a pretty bummer of a year on that front. I, th- I feel like that's more than we're used to seeing on like the kind of major people in the surf industry front. Yeah, that was that was pretty jarring seeing it written out like that. And seeing the whole year written out, when you see a 365-degree view, you're like, degree, fucking 365-day view, uh, it reminds you of how much exactly happened in a year, obviously. And seeing all those names was pretty intense. It's like, damn, that's... That's wild. One thing that I wanted to call out too that happened that was really cool this year was Blakey Johnson surfing for 40 hours and raising over 200K for mental health charities. That was sick. That was one of the coolest things that happened, I think, this year. So we had that. One thing Paul pointed out, I, I know you said like a, you know, a WSL season recap. You're like, yeah, what, what are we doing here? But just it kind of jumped out at me when he reminded us that this was the first time that Medina and Florence surfed the entire season injury-free and both finished out the top five. I think the last time that happened was 2000. Last time they surfed a full season was 2017, I believe. So fucking wild. Yep. I would have not guessed that going into the year either, even though you did by saying, hey, Felipe is going to win again. Just like you're saying now, which is reminding me, I gotta go and lock that in. But, Sorry to everyone uh, whose odds I screwed on Bet Online. I got him at plus 500. I think now he's hovering around 400. Apologies for that. I maxed out the bet. I think I scared the algorithm. Um, <laughs> uh, Buck, another thing that got brought up in here that I thought was, um, 
I think at the top of everybody's mind was the uh, the leash litigation news, and we just want to hear where you're at in your lawsuit right now. Um, are you going to be bankrupt anytime soon, or what, what's going on there? That's funny. Across my mind today, I bought a traction pad today, and I had options, and I was drawn to one. And then I looked at the logo, and I went, I'm not giving you money. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah, yeah. So infringe on that. Stab Surfer of the Year 2023. We have been rolling these out day by day since Christmas, day after Christmas. The 27th, Correct, I think. Right and we, we missed a couple days right. in the middle. There, there was some, some stuff going on that we had to figure out, but we figured it out. And uh, yeah, we're going strong. We are. By the time people are listening to this podcast, I think we're going to be on day eight or day nine. Which means that, uh, well, actually, we should we should break it down once again how it works. So every day, we release the picks of five mostly surfers and also a few prominent industry figures who uh, pick their top five men, their top five women, their top male junior, top female junior, uh, edit of the year, film of the year, and YouTube channel of the year. So we tally those votes up, and then, uh, yeah, we just have a running leaderboard. And there's been, yeah, a lot of interesting things. People have come and gone. I'm sure you've been kind of keeping track either on Instagram where you can see just the picks or on the site where you can see the rationale behind the picks and the leaderboard. Um, Buck, what stood out to you at this point, and what are you thinking about potential winners? Well, I mean, let's just give Russ the Bitcoin, which I think was a cap uh, comment when the edit first came out, which is how I felt. I just hadn't seen that much crazy surfing, that much just mind-blowing surfing condensed into a package in a long time, and it looks like that's going to be a result. Um, not surprising there, but I'm happy I had it right. I'm happy that the uh, the most influential minds in surfing agreed with me. Um, other than that, I guess we have, just like every other year, people tend to have a bit of proximity bias. And probably pick people whose surfing they see the most of. And, and recently as well. There's a recency bias as well, you could say. Mm, which we've also seen in years past. It's hard to, it's hard, like we just went through everything that happened in 365 days. Uh, it's going to be 366 this year, I believe. I think we have a leap year coming up, which is pretty cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, with the proximity bias, but I think that makes perfect sense. It's like if you you get so much more context when you see somebody surfing regularly, especially if they're like improving a lot or if they're just, you notice certain things that the general viewer might not. So I totally get that. Um, and I like that. I like seeing why people like different, like it's almost more interesting. I think for me to hear what somebody really adores about somebody surfing and what they've done rather than like, okay, yeah, I know that John John's the best surfer in the world already. I get that. I've, watched him surf too i'm aware you know <laughs> but there's also like okay so there's a couple of levels to this like if you go and read kolohe's picks for instance he was super passionate about like not just as he said to me uh slurping your friends and and i respect that as well like he goes in and he really gave the people who he thought did the best surfing this year and that is in theory what this whole project is about right like we're trying to get to that end but the interesting thing is, is that every year we get to that end regardless of people picking their friends, because usually within that group of people who, you know, they're close to and obviously they want to pay homage to and, you know, whatnot, they're also throwing in people who just blew their minds. And so at the end of the day, those people keep getting votes from like every person or every other person. They stack up and they stack up. And right now we have a picture of 2023 that I think is fairly accurate. I'm going to run through the top 10 on the men's and women's side through day seven of Stab Surfer of the Year. Obviously, we still have a few more days to go. And just a reminder that day nine will be the last day that we are allowing these, you know, quote unquote, surf industry stars to pick their winners. Day 10 will be exclusively for STAB premium members. You guys get to vote. You get the last 10% of the vote. And I can tell you right now, Ooh. you will be determining the winners in multiple categories, including the men's surfer of the year. So here is our top 10 as of STAB surfer of the year, day seven. Presented, by the way, by Skull Candy. They've come on this year to help support this project, which is huge because I don't know if you can tell by reading this, but it is a massive lift to get this thing off the ground. Like, 
getting on the phone with the surfers, getting all their picks, transcribing all of that, putting them together, creating graphics, doing the spreadsheets, blah, blah, blah. Um, but here's our men's leaderboard as of day seven. So in first place, we have Felipe Toledo. In second place, Ethan Ewing. Then Nathan Florence, Harry Bryant, Noah Dean, Griffin Colapinto, Mason Ho, John John Florence, Russell Bjerke, and then tied for 10th are Mikey Wright, Yago Dora, and Sean Manners. And if that's not an accurate Sorry, if that's not an accurate picture of 2023, I don't know what is. I agree with you. And it's, I mean, interesting timing because he wasn't at the top before. But I was baffled when I wouldn't see Felipe on people's picks. I feel like if you didn't pick him, you're almost like punishing him for being consistent. (laughs) You know, it's like he did such incredible surfing this year. It's fucking crazy that some people didn't pick him to me. Um, But... I wouldn't have put him in my number one spot. Yep, me neither. Okay, so, and here we have the women's side. In first place, Katie Simmers. Second, Carissa Moore. Third, Caroline Marks. Stephanie Gilmore. Moana Jones-Wong. Molly Picklum. Sierra Kerr. Laura Enover. Coco Ho. And tied for 10th, Frankie Herrer and Jaleesa Vincent. Again, like, who were we missing? Yeah, like, (laughs) I know, like, I get it. I totally get it. When you see some of these um, slides come up on Instagram and you see you know, an Australian free surfer pick all Australian free surfers, or you see Rolo Montez pick five Quicksilver surfers in his men's top five. It's like, it's a little bit egregious. I get it. And it's annoying. And like, I, I totally understand. But when push comes to shove, I think the cream is rising to the top and that's what matters the most. And it's making for like a really interesting, fun race as well. So we're on day seven right now as we're recording. By the time this comes out, it may be day eight or nine. Um, So you're going to see this play out in basically live fashion. And by early next week, we are going to have winners in all these different categories. So really exciting times. And um, yeah, it looks like Russ might get a Bitcoin though, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. And to the point you just made, if anybody out there really wants to contest the results of a voting event, then guess what? It's fucking January 6th, so you got the playbook right in front of you. Hurley Vans Roxy undergo further sponsorship shakeups. Album expands alternative empire. Ooh, a little surf pulse right now, which is you're going to see some stickers changing, some peeled off. You're going to see some that aren't stickers at all. They'll be rice paper laminated um, onto hunks of fiberglass. And you're going to see a lot of stuff on Instagram. A lot of hellos, a lot of goodbyes, a lot of remarks. Shit's getting pretty interesting out there, Mikey. Yeah. You want to tell us what's going on? Well, I think the biggest uh, storyline here and the one that probably caught most people's attention this week was Kalia Moniz, obviously sister to Josh and Seth and the rest of the Moniz clan. She is, well, is she walking away from Roxy? Kind of, kind of not. They technically cut her. And they offered to re-sign her for uh, a 90% pay cut of what her previous salary was, uh, which is, yeah, I'd imagine pretty hard to swallow, which she decided, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, um, yeah, she put up a pretty riveting video on Instagram this week, basically breaking down why she was so proud to be a Roxy girl for so long um, and how things have changed now. One of the things that she said was, and I quote, I'm not about to be strong-armed by some corporation who not only knows nothing about the sport, but also doesn't give a shit about it. Um, And then she says, the surf industry has been consolidated by two large corporations who don't care that there's been a dismantling of the monetary value of a whole generation of surfing. So she's obviously talking about, you know, largely the ABG board rider situation. Um, You know, there are a few other players and groups involved as well. But if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know all about that. Um, And yeah, she is aggrieved and perhaps rightfully so. But also, to the point of what she said there about sort of dismantling the monetary value of a whole generation of surfing, you wrote something in a piece that we're about to talk about shortly that really struck a nerve with me and I think is probably not something that a lot of surfers would love to hear. Uh, but I think it's just Ooh, true. I know you're referencing. Yeah. So, so like I said, this is from a piece that we're going to talk about in just a minute that Buck wrote. Um, but Buck writes, it's not so much that the horoscope was wrong. It's just that you'd been holding on to the faulty assumption that riding a surfboard well is a skill so important that the laws of the universe would be to prote- would be sure to protect its ongoing compensation in a capitalist society. 
I think you're right. I don't think surfers are owed jack shit. Like the fact that she got offered, you know, 10% of her contract's previous value, I, I probably wouldn't accept that offer either. That's like a slap in the face. But at the same time, it's like you were kind of getting paid for this imaginary thing in a way. Like I get it. You're marketing. You're helping them sell products. Like that is, there's something tangible there. But at the end of the day, if you're saying like, I surf so well, I should get paid for that. That's just not how the world works. Uh, I wish I could remember actually who would take this it's not a recommendation to listen to it anyway it was an average listen but i listened to something with an nhl player once um and it just kind of jumped out to me or it stuck with me it was a while ago but you know the national hockey league players are compensated mostly way 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 less than some of the other major sports leagues in the u.s and the podcast host kind of asked about that. I was like, is there like any resentment about that? Like you see people in other sports with these crazy contracts and they're kind of divas about it half the time. And the guy's response was like pretty much saying that the sentiment within that league is that everybody's just baffled that they're able to do that anyway. They're like, no, this is fucking great. We get, I'm sure there's exceptions to this. And maybe there's somebody who like really likes hockey. That's like, what are you talking about? This is a few years ago, like I said, but the guy was pretty much saying, no, most people are just happy that like, or they, they're just think it's crazy that they're able to play this game that they love with some guys that they probably like and somebody pays them for it and that's their job for 10 to 20 years hockey Um, players are like modern day cavemen like as opposed to other sports too like the difference in hockey players like the mentality is so clear when it comes to things like injuries like it's the polar opposite of basketball and soccer where like you get touched like the lightest amount and basically the mo of these players is to like flop on the ground and act like they got their fucking kidney ripped out of their stomach hockey players will stay on their feet as long as humanly possible and if they get knocked down they'll get straight back up again if they get cut in the face and get they go into the locker room and get 12 stitches and come back out in the next period like they're just a different breed and they just they just fucking love what they do and it's like part of that culture is to not complain and to just fucking man up and get about it so yeah did i have that right have you heard that about hockey too i was hoping i was like because i I like the rangers they're great but i'm pretty tuned out because it's so hard to watch in europe i've lived here for six years um but i remember hearing that so maybe shit's changed (laughs) since i last tuned in uh in 2016 <laughs> but uh i hope it's the same anyway so yeah no i i think i mean you hear stories i think i've referenced it in writing before but i think there's a thing where um like might have even been biden told like uh or suggested that like coal miners who lost their job should learn to code and i just think like if somebody who's like literally been doing something that's probably horrific for their health hurting their body and has still done it because it's the only thing they could do uh, and they're just like, yeah, learn to code, man. Um, <laughs> if your pro surfing contract goes away, I think pro surfing, I'm happy that people get paid to do it. And I think it's great. I think we all reap benefits from that. But um, yeah, it's not going to hit me. It's not going to keep me up at night when it goes away, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, Kalia obviously is so talented, not just at surfing, but at the whole like marketing side as well. Like she's had you know, capsules with Roxy that have done really well and not just the one that was, you know, partnered with Haley Bieber. Like she she knows what she's doing and I'm sure she has a really strong plan of what comes next. I mean, someone like her, I feel like would actually be in a really strong position to say, start her own label, which could be a really cool next career move for her. And I feel like a lot of people would get behind that, um, especially in this sort of market that we have right now where the big brands kind of have lost a bit of their luster in a sense, and people are looking for something new and emerging to attach themselves to when it comes to surfing. Well, I think she's probably she's probably good enough at what she does and has a good enough presence to, like... I mean, she could probably make more money than she was off surf contracts just by doing, like, one-off mm, stuff. That's true, you too. Know? Yeah. Like, she, she's going to be fine. She's going to find... She'll still be doing awesome things, I think. But it is a bummer to see her leave Roxy. What else we got, Mikey? We got a, a couple others. We got yeah. A, so I see the list on the yeah. There's there's sort of like a there, there's a few people that have gained a sponsor. So for instance, Clay Marzo, he got picked up by Album Surfboards. Um, Album it. is a really interesting board brand in that they, from what we understand, they take care of their surfers better than a lot of the even like quote unquote big surfboard brands like you know, the major brands that are making all the, you know, top shortboards in the world because they're able to, in a sense. So what they do is they just get these guys that are kind of like these cultural icons and most of whom um, 
just obviously they all surf really well most of them are pretty stylish and they're taking what used to be their you know high performance thruster surfing onto somewhat alternative crafts and they're selling a shit ton of these boards and the boards have a really high margin which means that album has more money to spend on marketing and it's kind of just like this self-fulfilling cycle so whereas normal Mm. people who ride for board brands are basically lucky to get free boards you know a certain allotment each year album is paying surfers a salary they're paying surfers royalties for boards that are sold that are like their model they're giving them travel budget that include you know filmers and all these things like and like i said it's it's really working for album because they're able to sell their boards for nearly double the price of what i'd call a standard surfboard um and people just keep buying them because they keep seeing all their favorite surfers ride them and ride them really well so it's yeah it's a really good model that's working for album and they wanted to get clay on the team because right now they don't have a notable goofy foot on their team and also we've heard that they're trying to break Uh, one for the people yeah exactly and they're trying to break into the thruster world as well so obviously they've sort of dominated the twin quad pastel shape and color space and uh bringing clay on somebody who's despite probably being, you know, toward the latter end of his career on the performance side, like is still one of the most freakishly talented surfers on the planet and can put surfboards in places that hardly anybody else can. So I think they're going to be building him his own model that's going to be a thruster, and it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Wow, you think he'll do that thing where he just kicks it away and then it comes back? (laughs) I think he might do one of those, yeah. How do you design for that? (laughs) Good question for Matt Parker. Yeah, short leash. Yeah, and then also... Okay, so this gets a little bit tricky. Um, Coco Ho is starting her own surfboard brand. We're going to have more on this next week. I don't want to go too in-depth on this because we're going to do an interview with her. But yeah, it's going to be called Exo Surfboards. I think that there's some sort of connection to album, but we're going to find out next week exactly what that is from Coco. So that's really exciting. And then um, also on the album front, they're also doing a new line of boards with Coa Smith. And those are going to be called Resonance. So yeah, a lot of a lot of news in the album space. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's kind of all on the positive front. Those are people gaining or you know their sponsorship platform or portfolio growing. Some people on the other side of that equation are Reef Hazelwood, Kira Pinkerton, and Zoe McDougal all of whom got dropped by Hurley at the end of 2023. So they are without a main sponsor, those three surfers. And that's part of, you know, um, basically just, you know, an overall shift and sponsors needing to save some costs. So they're having to find space a lot of times in places where they don't want to, probably cutting people that they've been with for a long time and that they'd love to keep on, but they're just not in a position to, which also brings us to the Godowskis brothers and Vans parting ways. Same situation there. Vans seemed to cut costs. It just so happened that their contracts were up at the end of the year, and so it was a tough decision, but uh, yeah, one that they ultimately had to make. I hope Pat Tenori has like a really good cell phone plan. That shit's going to be ringing. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've definitely seen a lot more surfers, too, with that uh, that Tenori sticker across them. Obviously, Jet Schilling, uh, more people on the North Shore as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of things happening in the sponsorship world. I definitely don't think we've seen the end of this. Oh, and we mentioned Skull Candy earlier as the supporting sponsor of Stab Surfer of the Year. Well, they really are pushing back into surf. I think we all remember maybe like 10 years ago when, you know, they had guys like McFanning, Kalohe Andino and a handful of other CT surfers, like really top-level guys. Well, they went away from surf for a little bit, but they're coming back in strong. They've just gotten uh, Katie Simmers, Griffin Colapinto, Crosby Colapinto, and it looks like they're trying to do even more in 2024. So, uh, yeah, we got some new earphones that are kind of wiggling their way back into the surf world, which is cool. Wow. I believe I was a flow. I was flowed by a skull candy. Yes. And these boxes would would just show up to my house with just an absurd amount of headphones. (laughs) Just what is somebody meant to do with all those headphones? <laughs> and there were two leather back, not really leather, but like that, like uh, brownish thing. It had a speaker built into the backpack. Oh, yeah. Um, and I sold it to somebody, I believe, for $40. Wow. Well, I don't know what their, I don't know exactly what their, uh, their major product is right now. On but... Katie's deal? <laughs> do you think she's getting some of those? Yeah, I think she probably is. Slank? I think she probably is. Oh, and one more. So, we talked about the whole board riders thing and especially about uh, Quicksilver, you know, around that October 31 date when most people's contracts expired. 
one surfer whose contract didn't expire then and didn't expire until the end of the year, December 31, was Mikey Wright. So Mikey Wright, it's yet to be seen whether he will re-sign with Quicksilver or not. We know a few brands were circling him toward the end of the year because they were aware of that contract uh, ending as well. But Mikey did... One rhyme with cork? (laughs) One does rhyme with cork, yeah. Um, And Mikey did go at the end of the year to compete in the Vans Pipe Masters. He stayed at the Quick House, and we heard that he did shoot a bunch of Quick 2024 gear. So it's seeming likely that he will resign. Maybe he just hasn't checked his email in a couple weeks. So um, we'll give you all the details when that officially goes through, but we are expecting him to be back with Quick in 2024. Nice. One other note I saw in this story... I believe it made the final draft, but uh, Finn McGill's new sponsor. It was a brand that I'd never heard of, um, which I will have Seeger. to. Seeger. Seeger. Do you know of Seeger? So I do know of Seeger, and that's because I went to school with the people who started it. There's this kid, Matson, uh, who went to UCSD with me, and he was basically starting a brand, I think, while we were in school. And you know how it is, like, when kids are in college, like, yeah, I'm going to start a surf brand. And you're like, okay, good luck with that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and lo and behold, however many years later, Seeger has grown. Um, they sell, it's kind of like a surf cowboy brand. I don't really know how to explain it. That was my, that was my assessment as yeah, well. Yeah, they make like hat, like cowboy hats and like kind of like flannelly gear, I suppose. Um, and Finn was one of those unlucky surfers who got cut on that October 31 date from Billabong. And so, yeah, he's found a new home in Seeger, and I saw him out on the North Shore this winter, and he was seeming pretty happy about it. So well done to Finn and Seeger and Matson on your blossoming uh, brand over there. It looks like you're crushing it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I think we're going to see more of that too. I think I think we'll see more, more surfers going with smaller brands, and even if they don't have a full surf team, they just have like one or two, like be the marquee person for a smaller brand. And I think that's cool. Yep. That's awesome. I think it's a win-win for everybody. So... Agreed. Good stuff. Yeah, so some positivity coming into the new year. You like to see it. Yeah. Giddy up, baby. What's going on in La Jolla? Ah, Mikey, he got me here. (laughs) I gotta be honest. He got me. He got... It's... There's nothing like having an emotional reaction to Jacob Zermak (laughs) and... You should. It's you feel shame because you're like I should know better. I should know better. Why do I? Why is he creating feelings within me? And he, it was bad. And I felt it fucking pissed me I off. I mean, when you talk about it, something it that me. just like hits the algorithm square on the head, it is oh. Jacob Zakelli ranting about somebody going and filming waves somewhere and uploading them to the internet that same day. And I'm the asshole for feeling about that. I should just be able to go, oh, yeah, whatever. But I felt it, it, it got me mad. And I, like, I would go back and check it and get excited because other people were mad. It was <laughs> – and I know better. That was a problem. <laughs> we can't go – Buck, we are just animals. We cannot Buck. go past our base instincts. Humans love drama. And this was peak drama of the week for sure. Okay, so just to give you a little background, if somehow you missed this on Instagram – There was a really big swell at the end of the year in 2023 that hit California and a lot of spots turned on, but probably none quite like this one somewhere in San Diego. And it happens to be where Zeke is from. So uh, what happened was there was a really, you know, what some would call a historic session, what Jimmy Wilson would call the best session he's ever seen in San Diego. Uh, that went down at one of these reefs, and it was really good. They're really good waves. It also looked really hard to surf. People definitely like struggled to get the craziest ones, especially one person in particular. But it uh, it ended up getting posted on Jimmy's YouTube channel the same night that it went down, and this upset a lot of people. It also excited a lot of people. If you look at the view counts, I think it was at like 100,000 by the next morning. And it's currently around like 500,000 views on YouTube because this is such a sort of freakish day at this spot. And uh, Zeke went on to rant about Jimmy doing that. So let's just, let's drop that rant right in here so people know what we're talking about. I'm sick and tired of all these random filmers that come out of nowhere on the day of the year, film a spot, go home, and upload it to YouTube that night, blowing out the spot and blowing out the swell, saying raw session with landmarks and clips of everybody. Even if pros are out there saving clips for a movie, dude, I always ask people, 
have tons of friends that are doing the exact same thing. Then, don't want to name any names, but we all know who it is. A guy that should know better, but took it way too far, uploading a raw session video the same day with landmarks and all of the pros' best clips that they might be saving for a fucking movie just straight to YouTube that night and then have Stab promote it. Took it way too far, man, and everybody in my hometown's pissed off at you about it. And I just got to come on here to say something, dude, because nobody else is going to speak out. I don't give a fuck what people think, dude. I'm sick and tired of all these lame-ass filmers stealing our credit, dude. We go out there and put our lives on the line, risk it all surfing, dude. Pay filmers to film us, and then when I go home to edit my video, there's already 10 raw session videos out with all the same clips, dude. It's fuck, bro. Respect the surfers, dude. Respect the lineups and respect the locals. Ah. <sighs> You should know better. If you're mad right now, you should know better. I should Jimmy you. Wilson have known better? No. No. Jimmy, first of all, Jimmy didn't make a cent off this. His YouTube is not even set up to be monetized yet. So he literally did this just because he loves surfing. Like, he wasn't supposed to do this. He was going snowboarding the next day with his daughter and his girlfriend, and nobody told him to do this. He had no real incentive to do it. He just, the waves were good, and he couldn't help himself. That's the type of person he is. I've seen that guy just shoot for 12 hours, no, 14. He'll shoot when nobody is telling him to just because he can't stop. That's just <laughs> the way he is, and I have so much respect for it. I honestly think anybody who's ever seen that guy work will tell you that his passion is unmatched. I think he rubs people the wrong way sometimes because he's, uh, he's not shy with his opinions. They're often right, I find, and I fucking love the guy. And when I say he might rub people the wrong way, only if, like, you have something that you're asking his opinion on or, you you know. But other, he's a lovely guy. And, no, this got me mad. This got me so mad that he went at Jimmy like that. And I listened to your thing, and I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts on your interview with him because you sent me the audio. You didn't send me the, uh, the, the text just yet. And uh, he's fucking bullshitting. He's bullshitting. Okay, well, what Buck's alluding to is after this all went down, I decided to give Zeke a call to because like Zeke has an online persona that is probably about 50 to 60 percent true to who he is. But Zeke also has a lot of depth and a lot of intelligence and that other 40 to 50 percent of him like he just he knows he's playing the game. He knows he's playing a character and that is how he's built his career and he's built his platforms up. But when you talk to Zeke one-on-one, -on -one, you can get the real side of him that's like, you know, not putting up this facade. And he's a really thoughtful guy. And I actually really like, you know, spending time with him on, on a one-on-one -on -one sense because you get to see what he's really like. So I gave him a call to see how serious he really was about this and what his true thoughts were beyond just the viral post. So let's jump to that real quick. I'm trying to just get a sense of like how much of it is you trolling and how much of it is you being serious? Because I know you care, but then I also know that you know that you do the same fucking shit. 100%, dude. You know me too well. <laughs> I would say... Oh, it's really hard to put a gauge on um, on right now just because I'm such a frother. Like, I've already, like, transcended and I'm thinking, like, next well. How can I go just be like, fuck you, there's already like a big swell in NorCal right now, like me and Skip are trying to like take the jet ski up tonight to like this big slab to go tow or do step offs or maybe even paddle. Um, let me know, if, let me know where and I'll send Jimmy. All right, yeah, <laughs> send him up there. If you were to ask, have asked me yesterday, I would have said like 80, 80 to 90% of me is just pissed off at like multiple different people for posting raw session clips and one guy in particular uploaded a video of big rock with like my best wave being the first clip and after messaging him and one of my buddies even like told him that you know we don't appreciate that face to face and um after messaging him and he just didn't wouldn't take it down i decided to make like an instagram video and i didn't I didn't say Jimmy's name in it because, like, it wasn't directed, like, completely at Jimmy. Obviously, like, talking about the stab thing and talking about Jimmy is going to get more people to comment down below. And just leaving it nameless is going to allow every surfer in every community all over the world to, like, tag the perpetrators that are making raw videos worldwide. <laughs> and, like, instantly after posting it, I had, like, 
dozens of really well-respected pro surfers from around the world that like I look up to hit me up and say like, it's an issue, dude. Like it's gotten out of hand in Hawaii and Australia and here in California. Um, so yeah, I guess like definitely my community and like La Jolla is super pissed. And like a lot of those guys like don't have a platform. So they're just going to kind of like talk shit to the boys and then like maybe chirp a couple filmers when they show up that day. But I guess I kind of want to just like shed some light on like the bigger issue here, like worldwide, because um, Big Rock and Horseshoe are just like not pipeline and the wedge, you know? But what's the difference between this and when you go somewhere that's not the pipeline or the wedge and do the same? Like, I don't know, people brought up like, oh, like NorCal and you being barred from there and stuff after all that. Yeah, I don't put out a raw session video um, the same exact day showing the street signs of like what sandbar I surfed in Ocean Beach. And I also go up, I also like go up there and like met up with like heavy locals and then like messaged Nat Young and was like, hey Nat, can I use these clips? Like, um, are you gonna make a video or like can I put your clips in my YouTube video and like multiple other um, big name like OB guys up there. And in Hawaii, like messaged Ballroom and like Noah Dean and was like, hey, can I use these clips? in my Rocky Point video. Are you working on a movie or whatever? Like, oh yeah, those are B-clips, all good. Like, well, you're, what the fuck? Your B-clips like blows my A-clips out of the water. So I like try to be as respectful as I can when I travel to other places. And I just feel like my hometown is like way different than anywhere else I've been recently. Whereas like there's still local legends like paddling out and slapping people and kicking guys out of the water on a regular basis because it's such like a small tight takeoff zone like big rock and horseshoe is such a small takeoff zone that like you can't fit more than 10 or 15 guys on the peak and the day after jimmy wilson posted that video there was 38 guys out there and a couple of them had to get sent in because they couldn't even paddle they couldn't even stand up and then at big rock it was the same thing like um, some guy posted a video of Big Rock the first day of the swell, like raw video. And thankfully he took it down now after my post and many other people trolling him. Um, but it's pretty dangerous. And so I feel like it's just a lot different than like a huge ocean beach spread out beach break lineup. Got it. And then what about, so like someone like Jimmy, right? He's been in the surf industry forever. Started out as a photographer, photo editor for surfing. When that fell through, he moved more into like doing some social media stuff for Vans, and like he's he's worked his way through the surf media, and through like photo and video and the way that you kind of had to to like negotiate all the changes that have happened. Now he's at a point where like even the the Vans thing kind of is different now for him. He has a different situation with them, and so like he's trying to figure out how he can still one be involved in everything that's going on, and two make some money off of it. Like he's so good at what he does, so like. How does someone like that, how do they make a living right now? Like, if they're not doing something like promoting their own YouTube channel, which the best way to do that, as you know, is to get stuff out fast and get, you know, the raw session sort of stuff out. 100%. I think if Jimmy would have filmed from straight on or looking into it with no landmarks in front and would have waited maybe two days, at least two days, because the swell was like four days long, and uploaded a video with no landmarks, and maybe message Skip and Tosh and Brady and my boy Mick, and been like, uh, or Ballroom too, like, hey, is it cool if I use your clips in this YouTube video? Because like, dude, Skip didn't even see Jimmy filming there. Like, Skip didn't even know Jimmy was down there. Like, the other boys didn't even know he was down there. Like, they would have said, like, hold my clips. Um, but by the next day when they saw the video was uploaded at midnight, by the next day it already had like 100,000 views and their movie clips are blown out. So I guess my answer to that would just be like no landmarks and maybe not naming the spot like in the raw video and not blowing it out like in the middle of a swell so multiple people from all over California are going to show up that are just 
don't know what they're doing, but they saw Jimmy Wilson's video. Like, people walked up to, like, my filmers the next day at Horseshoe and were like, are you Jimmy Wilson? We saw your video. <laughs> Do you think there's any going back at this point, though? Like, I get that that works in a perfect world, right? But, like, we're kind of at a point now where there's so many people with cameras, YouTube is such a thing, Instagram is... Like, is there any... Is there even any... Are you kind of just yelling into the void, or do you think this is actually achievable? Um, on one hand, I think, like, Josh Kerr messaged me last night. He's like, I love it. You're fucking bringing back the controversy and the, like, I don't give a fuck, like, 90s drama that, like, people used to have. And so it's like, on one hand, I think, um... On one hand, I enjoy, like, the controversy. And on the other hand, I do think talking shit into a camera and just raising awareness about this is going to prevent some people from doing what Jimmy did. And on top of that, I think it already has. Like, now people are going to think twice before they come down and film landmarks and release, like, my clips at the beginning of their Raw Sessions video. To be fair, I didn't before see any I... of your clips in Jimmy's video. Yeah, that's why it wasn't directed <laughs> at Jimmy. Did you get that's any waves out whole... there? Yeah, I got a bunch the next day when I had to battle 40 other idiots. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the, raw, the Raw video I'm talking about with, like, my clips is the first two. Um, was like a raw big rock video posted by another yeah. California raw sessions account. And, um, and I already had three or four accounts message me last night instantly saying, Hey Zeke, I apologize, um, for putting out this video. I didn't know blah, blah, blah. Won't happen again. Even one guy, like one guy sent me a, sent me a message saying like, sorry, I included the clips of you at La Jolla Cove. And it was like on a nine six mushy little left that I do not care about. And then another guy like, sorry, I included your black slips, and it was just like a lame drop of me. So it's just like, yeah, you it, better be careful what you wish for. You might not get filmed anymore. No one's gonna point the camera my way anymore. So it it, it could work or it could backfire against me. Who knows? I had some people tell me I'll probably get dropped by all my sponsors because of this. <laughs> and you chatted with Jimmy, yeah? How did that go? Yeah, I just told Jimmy, like, a lot of people in my whole hometown are pissed at him. I told him that personally I liked this video. I surfed blacks for, like, six hours that day and then got to Horseshoe. And by the time I got there, it was kind of shittier and didn't really get many. But um, I told him that I liked the video. I got to fucking, felt like I was a part of it from the raw video. I just think he took it too far with the instant upload and the landmarks. All right, well, thank you for breaking all this down because it's just... I don't know. It's like obviously a, a hot topic right now, and I feel like there really are two sides to it. I don't feel like you're you're wrong with what you're saying. I feel like you're kind of a funny spokesperson for it, given what you do. I mean, he starts the conversation saying it wasn't just Jimmy; it was this other guy, and then the whole other conversation is about Jimmy. I've seen a message from Skip to Jimmy being like, "Hey, I thought the video was sick. Like, we watched it this morning and loved it. It's just Zeke. It's it's no." And I've also seen Jordy Smith, it was like 2015 maybe, land a massive straight air at Diva, walk around knowing there's eight cameras on the beach and just pay people a couple hundred bucks to burn it because he wanted to save it for a film. If the clip is that important, figure something like that out. And also, beyond that, I haven't seen, what is it, Motel Hell? Yeah. Harry's film yet? I'm really excited to. If... I happened to come across a YouTube clip six months ago that featured one or two of his waves in there, and it was re like I would get the context of like, hey, this guy put a lot into this, and now it's here in this movie format. And oh my god, you worked so hard, even if I saw you ruined the whole thing because I saw one clip. That's fucking stupid. It's a dumb argument. It's dumb. I'm done with it. And I like Zeke too. I like spending time with him in person, but this one got me. It shouldn't have. I should know better. It got me. Your premium 2024 surf horoscope. Um, Mikey, I'm a level two Reiki. I don't, I'm certified. I'm not a practitioner, but you've seen the certificate. Um, I am an amateur astrol astrologer astrologer yeah well astronomy is the the one that they do it right and then this is astrology yep astrologer um i'm a pilot and by that i mean i live near 
a municipal airport. You've probably heard it on the program. You may have heard it on this episode um, where little Cessnas go up, and I'm pretty sure I can fly one just because they don't really appear to be going that fast to me. <laughs> Can't be that hard. I've watched some YouTube tutorials. Um, anyway, so back to astrology. I decided that I think I was inspired by the 2023 piece, seeing what happened, and I thought that maybe I could provide everybody the service of breaking down what the year could look like for you. So it's not like a day-by-day one. It's just like a yearly outlook on what the stars are telling me as a professional astrologer about how the year should look or what you should come to expect in 2024 as a surfer. And um, I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, so I just want to give people a taste so that they know what they're getting themselves into when they lock into this piece because it is a little bit different sort of programming than our typical. So... um, so this is for the sign Taurus, which uh, has birthdays from April 20th to May 20th. And some notable surfers in that window include Tatiana Weston-Webb, Coco Ho, and Eddie Aikau. This is from Buck. With Jupiter sitting high in your sign for the first five months of the year, you are bound to realize your worth in a whole new way, which means it's finally time to start a YouTube channel. You will do your research and model your channel based on who is succeeding in the space, settling on Jacob Zeke Zikurl. <laughs> You will acquire a Ninja Turtle-looking flotation suit and too big a board, then courageously tackle your coastline's most medium-sized waves. It will be a breakout success, and you will enjoy hundreds of thousands of views on every video you drop. By the end of the year, you will collect $357 in YouTube revenue. I mean, that's just what I think the Taurus is about. So the Taurus is a subdued yet elegantly feminine sign, generally. Um, They are, as you can tell with the last subject we covered they are counted on for great taste so (laughs) that's just what i thought you would be looking at as a tourist this year um and so yeah give it a read everybody's sign is on there i myself am a libra forget what that means for me john john is we share a birthday so it's me and john locked in october 18th oh yep we're not ending up good (laughs) we're in a we're not good by the end of this. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't make sense. It, I'm like, it's, it's not going to make sense on audio. It's definitely not going to make sense when you read it either. But I encourage you to click the link because I'm not fully making up that bit. I hope you click the link in there because the guy did something. I don't think it was for that purpose, but you'll get it when you read it. If you're a Libra, it's gonna, we're, we're going to get through it. All right, Buck, what else do we have on the site right now that people should know about? Oh, so we had the we had the little holiday gap, but the we have to call out. I know we've been doing a little bit of gazing in the rear view this episode, but the most spectacular waves of 2023, you can't watch that and not enjoy it. That was mm. just a goddamn delight. What did you think? So there was a debate. We don't have to reveal the uh, results, but there was a debate internally on that one about who had the most spectacular wave in 2023 and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the top three and if people haven't seen it yet they can go watch it and or they can just sit at home and yell into the void which one they think should be so the top three that we had were emails to Zermax wave at chopes where he takes off on that giant wave it's shot from a drone no hands through this just absolutely massive massive tube it, it, i don't think it's like the deepest chopes wave that's been ridden without toe but i think it's probably like the biggest like it just looks like there's the most square area in that barrel uh, i don't know if it's just the angle from which it's shot or whatever but it's just absolutely it looks spectacular. fake but it's annoying it's too perfect <laughs> okay that's buck's take okay so then 9.98 because he didn't do a bobble <laughs> we also have he did nothing wrong so i'm not giving him a perfect score <laughs> that's yeah that's that's right up the alley. Okay, so then we also have Nate Florence's wave at that right in Ireland, which I won't name, even though you may or may not know it, nor does it really matter if I say it, because you're either going to go there or not. The name doesn't really make a difference. Anyway, uh, he takes off not a bay. <laughs> super deep behind the peak, goes over the foam ball on a big board, and it's just it's spectacular again. So that was one of the ones in the top three. And then the other one was the Kanehe Hunt wave from Backdoor, which we called the best wave ever ridden at Backdoor, and I'm still standing by that. So those were the top three that we had to decide between. There was some internal debate, but um, Todd Barnes, the editor of How Surfers Get Paid, he came in and sort of just dropped the hammer on us and told us why one needs to win, and we just all shut up and listened. Yeah, that was good, because he is a hammer himself, Todd. So when the hammer speaks... The uh, steel listens. Also, shout out to Will Styles for just 
speaking of hammers, just hammering this thing out over the holiday yeah. window. Like it's so hard going, you know, trying to get all these clips from the surfers and the filmers and then trying to organize them and people having different opinions and will just as ever the backbone of stab. So thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. We love you. All right. So we also have a new Katie Simmers edit that just dropped on her Toasted channel, Cola Bros edit from Indo, and the Backdoor Shootout is currently on. Um, it's probably oh, going to pump today. So if you're listening to this, yes. that already happened. And sorry if we missed any big news. But um, yes. Oh, that's so exciting. A, I'm so it's happy. about to start. I wanted something to watch tonight. Oh, right. lucky boy. Beers in the fridge. Shootout on. Wow. <laughs> Good Friday over here. Yeah, and what is up next? We have Stab Surfer of the Year, supported by Skull Candy. Winners are going to be announced next week. Uh, we already broke that down, so you know what I'm talking about. The big one here, though, is Stab in the Dark. Drops on January 23rd. We will have a surfer reveal next Monday, the 8th of January. So this is all happening very quickly. It's kind of like scary, actually, how quickly this is happening. But this was filmed last year in, uh, in Indonesia, and we are so excited about it. Um, we have obviously a new surfer that we've never had on Stab in the Dark before, kind of, uh, and he's going to test 13 whoa, boards. Whoa, whoa, hint. <laughs> whoa, hint. Holy shit. Somebody's going to figure that one out. Good for them. Good for them. All right, so Monday we'll know the surfer, and on January 23rd, the first episode drops, and we are so excited for that. Um, and then we also have a new, on the also on the same level of board testing front, we have a joyride dropping with Stace yeah. next week, and he's also alongside a former Stab in the Dark surfer, Jack Rabo, because they're testing the new Synergy model from SharpEye. So, um, yeah, the boys are going to surf together and let us know what's good and bad about this new board couple of dads getting after the new model you gotta love it gotta love it all right buck um we chatted last podcast a couple weeks ago about ending the surf sin and we just felt like by the end of the year we'd sort of scraped the bottom of the barrel we were still getting submissions but we just weren't enthralled by them we put a call out to get the i think we called it the final sin um and this actually a few yeah this actually brought in some pretty darn good sins we have I think we've got three because somebody else just sent me one um, that was pretty good as well. So, Did you watch that one yet? The the Kelly one? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Okay, so we've got we've got three right now that I think we're going to kind of like run them out through January just to like get it over the line. And also while we're still developing this new segment idea. Um, so we're going to be dropping that. Hopefully in the next episode we'll have something concrete and you guys can start submitting stuff for it. But over the next few weeks we're going to drop the final sins. And uh, yeah, do you want to just, let's just go straight into the, to the first one, right? Let's hear it. But, Mikey, I've heard your call to arms and I've, I've got a pretty serious surf scene. Uh, it's, a, it's a philosophical one that I need to confess. And I'm, I'm actually here, I'm at the scene of the crime. This is the wave in Bristol. I have been coming here a lot. I have been lying to my co-workers and bunking off. I have been not lying to my wife, but definitely probably pretending I'm not spending as much money or time as I as I probably am here. And money's the big one, right? So I've, I've spent a lot of cash. I've taken advantage of my financial situation to go from being very much an intermediate, long-term but intermediate landlocked surfer to holding my own. Um, I basically paid thousands of pounds to learn to do laybacks and other maneuvers and I feel like a fraud. I could hold my own in the lineup now, but it's just, it's on my conscience that basically I did it dirty. I took advantage of finance and yeah, like I said, some people to get where I am now and I just, I need it off the conscience. So yeah, let me know what my penance is. Oh, and we should bring this back. Fuck you, bud. Ah. I love getting told to fuck myself. I'm so happy you brought that back. It was a bummer that it went away. I remember the first one I watched, it was the, the guy who, he, I think he was trying to go for an anonymous thing. He had the hood on. And it was just like one last thing. And I watched it on Instagram. No, somebody showed it to me on Instagram. I was like washing dishes on vacation because I guess I'm just the dishwasher on vacation. And he was like, go fuck yourself. And I was like, that's so fun just to be somewhere washing dishes and have a hooded man tell me to fuck myself. So thanks for that. Thanks for that. And then this is literally a drop wallet. This is what this is. Wow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what it is. 
So just to reference what Buck's saying, yeah, the, the layback, that, and we have a video of it. I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get the video up on Instagram stories or something like that. We'll, we'll figure out something so you guys can see this layback, Buck, but I think you have some thoughts on it. I do have some thoughts on it, and um, I'll just go straight to the penance with those thoughts. So... Wait, 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 before we go to the penance, we should explain that this guy sent in his sin, but we kind of asked him a few questions after just to like clarify some things and he's got a pretty interesting backstory that i feel like we should share he's a pickle lord he's a pickle guy like we asked him basically how how are you affording this lifestyle of you know just going to the wave pool all the time to quote unquote perfect your layback and he told me he sells pickles he makes pickles and he sells pickles i'm a huge pickle guy are you pickle guy I fucking love pickles, man. I want some. This guy's pickles now. Hope he can pickles get him over incredible. the border from the UK without any customs trying to steal my pickles. Oh, see, Brexit's just screwing everything, man. Okay, well, anyways, a pickle farmer, or not, not necessarily a farmer, but he makes pickles. And also, you can't farm pickles, so to speak. You farm cucumbers, you but pick, you pickle them. Yeah, I'm gonna find true. his his business and give it a shout out because if you are if you are funding a layback through pickle farming, yeah. It's kind of like absolved. He's kind of absolved already, right? I believe his pickle company is called Eaten Alive. But if it's not, then uh, I apologize to you, Pat. Anyway, that's awesome. You can make money. It's, it sounds like it's a lot of fermented foods in general, not just the pickles, but pickles maybe are the hero product. What do you got penance wise, Mikey? Or do you have any thoughts on layback? Where do you, where are you going with this? Well, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, like, his whole sin and his admission i i love the admission i think that that's like really kind of not just brave of him to come out and say that but also very self-aware of like there's a right and a wrong way to kind of do things in surfing and i think it's a little different for like kids like if you're a kid and you just so happen to grow up next to a wave pool and you get good there and then you go to the ocean i think that that's like kind of passable but as an adult it definitely has a certain stink to it right but also there's a certain more addictive the addiction is more apparent that way yeah and also there's a certain stink to like there's just like an adult learner look to surfing like you can get good at surfing as an adult learner but you still look like an adult learner if that makes sense and and that was kind of like what I got out of this guy's layback that he paid a lot of money for and I don't it, was, it wasn't a bad turn but it's it just doesn't look like somebody who grew up surfing like the body mechanics are just a little bit different and i don't know exactly mm. what that is if there's some component of just salt just wrecking your brain over decades and decades but um yeah he just he doesn't have that surfer look to his style a bit more molasses as the body communicates with itself <laughs> a few things that have seemingly have different ideas but still achieving some result yeah um okay so penance he basically told us like we we tried to break this down financially and he basically told us that with the bristol wave you can buy these certain like blocks uh where you pay x amount he says basically he spends about like 150 per trip and he gets like three sessions out of that which is a pretty damn good deal Um, well he sent a video from the fucking snow so he's probably just booking them like (laughs) when it's freezing and they're like this guy's coming again like we should turn it on (laughs) Uh, so I think all you have to do, you just got to go back through your bank statements. You have to figure out how much money that you've actually spent on this. And then in 2024, I want you to, um, cut that number in a third. So you're going to spend a third of that money in the wave pool. I want you to spend an extra third on going surfing to the ocean. So whatever that means for you, if that's flying somewhere, if that's driving somewhere, just figure out how to basically try to maximize your ocean time with that same amount of money and then the extra third you got to give back to surfing in some way to like real core surfing whether that's you know giving a board to some kids who might need them or putting on some sort of event by the coast or teaching somebody to surf or just just give it back to surfing in one way or another so you just got to take that same amount of money you spent and just split it up a little bit differently to kind of get your core score going back in the right direction I like that, Mikey. I like that. And mine is actually compatible with yours, specifically the second part of yours. And so when I hear layback, and maybe this is just the um, the Corey Lopez in my brain speaking, but I'm thinking kind of like end section vibes. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking like he's more going for that open face layback, which looked great. 
We need a different um, term for that turn though, because like the open face layback. Well, like not even necessarily open face, back. but just the one yeah where you put your arm back. It's like it's not a layback. It's like a yeah, it's like back. a rail. Yeah, yeah. So when he said layback, I was thinking end section. So let's, which it kind of makes sense because like pools typically don't have end sections because it's, it's made to be perfect. And Palm Springs Surf Club does. It does, it does, but um, kind of makes sense that that's how he developed it in a wave pool. So I want him to hit the end section layback, and I want him to do it on a wave that is six foot or bigger and i am talking oh. the back of the wave um no <laughs> no no so you you're not gonna land it i don't think anybody has ever done this successfully <laughs> but when you're in the ocean you just need to because you act like you spent money on nothing but at the end of the day you have something you have this asset which is a layback and i want you to get the most out of that asset and the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you figure out its limitations and so I think the way to figure those limitations out is to look at, you know, I would love to think, like, I'm thinking, like, remember that section Matt Miola hit? Um, oh, my God. At the French uh, oh Red Bull Air Show thing? <laughs> Jesus. It just, I want to see a human being attempting to, <laughs> you're not, it's going to go poorly, but you'll learn a lesson from it. It'll be funny for us to watch if you're able to capture it. So oh, please, please capture that. Yeah. It's a, you're going, it's a, it's not going to go well. It's it, You're going on a kamikaze mission at that point, so um, it'll be funny. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. We're not really accepting new surf sins right now. We've pretty much got all the ones that we need to do our final sins. And then, as we said, we're going to be moving into a new segment. So we're really excited for that, and we'll give you more details as we have them. But uh, yeah, as you can see, there's a lot happening already in 2024 and a lot more to come. So until next week, over and out.